This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Tonight we are talking about uh, climbing the ladder to Hashem. And this really brings me to next week's parasha outside Israel. Inside Israel, it's this week's parasha. It's parasha Korach. Now Korach is climbing the ladder to spirituality. You have to understand that there was a race to the top of the ladder. And these races to the top of the ladder sometimes don't end up in a very good light. They don't end up well. And here's Korach, and Korach wants to get as close to God as he can. And in fact, he does. He gets to the point where he is one of the few who had chosen with his family to carry the Ark of God. Korach carries the Ark of God. Now, the Gemara says, you don't have to carry the Ark of God. The Ark of God carries itself and carries those that carry it. In other words... You just go through the motions of carrying the Ark of God, and God's Ark is sort of carried by itself. It's an amazing concept, this idea that we think we are carrying the Torah, but really the Torah is carrying us. Now, what does that mean? Now, I heard a beautiful idea, this idea that more than the Jews have kept Shabbat, Shabbat has kept the Jews. What does that mean? More than the Jews have kept the Torah, the Torah has kept the Jews. And the answer is that what keeps us going as Jews, as opposed to assimilating into the world, people have to understand that, is the Torah, is Shabbat. What stops us from assimilating into the nations of the world is Shabbat. So therefore the Shabbat, we keep Shabbat, but really the Shabbat is keeping us. The Torah stops us from assimilating into the mass of populations around us. And therefore more when we keep Shabbat and more than we keep Torah, the Torah keeps us. So therefore it says that Korah was one of the carriers of the Ark of God. And we said the Ark carries those that carry it. That's what it means. The Torah carries us. You have to understand that. What does that mean? That means a Jew who is, who is really clinging to the Torah is going to survive as a Jew. Not just he's going to survive as a Jew, she's going to survive as a Jew. The children were probably, the children also are taught to cling to God and cling to the Torah. They're going to survive as Jews. And that is the secret of Jewish survival. People have to understand that. The secret of Jewish survival is nothing else but clinging to the Torah, clinging to our commandments, clinging to Shabbat, then a person will survive as a Jew. So very important idea that the Korach was uh, carrying the Torah. He was carrying the Ark, but it was going, just going through the motions. Now, Korach wasn't satisfied with that. Korach wanted to even get closer. Korach wanted to get as close to Hashem as he could, and that brought him to this concept of spiritual jealousy. Now, it's interesting because one of the few kinds of jealousy which is allowed is kinat sofrim. Kinat sofrim tarbe chokmah. The Mishnah says, jealousy of scribes increases wisdom. What does that mean, jealousy of scribes? So literally it means, if I see a scribe writing a Sefer Torah, I see a scribe writing a Megillah, and I say, you know what, I want to do better. He's writing one Torah, I'm going to write ten Torahs. So that scribe is going to bring around more Torahs in the world, and that Having more Torahs in the world is always good. It's always good for spirituality. The more Torahs in the world, the more spiritual the world is. The more names of God that are written, it's interesting, the more names of God that are written, the more spiritual the world is. The more bringing God into the world. How do you bring God into the world? It's having the mezuz on the door. You just brought God into your house. Welcome, Hashem. Bring God into your house. You have name uh, of God in your mezuzah. And we don't really realize, Ramon says, when you pass a mezuzah, you have to have an interaction. And it's very hard to do this on a daily basis, but at least once a day, try and have an interaction with the mezuzah. <laughs> How do you interact with the mezuzah? That's, a, that's an amazing concept. How do you interact with the mezuzah? 
A man should interact with his tefillin the same way, similar way. What does that mean? You interact with the mezuzah, you remember Hashem. You pass the mezuzah. A lot of people kiss the mezuzah. But you know what? Just kissing it without thinking, and that's that's a problem. That's that's rote. That's doing things by rote. It's good to do things by rote because that means it's part of your psyche. It's part of your habits. It's good to get into good habits. On the other hand, if you don't think about it, you're not really fulfilling the whole idea of kissing it. The whole idea of thinking about that God is with me. God's name is on my house. God's name is on my doorpost. God is watching me. God is with me every second of the day. And we pass every mezuzah we have to pass. We have to have that kind of interaction. Halavai, at least once a day, would have that interaction with the mezuzah. You know, God is with me. I see Hashem. Hashem is here. Hashem is watching me. Hashem is with me. So ideally, a person should think that without the mezuzah. But that's the mezuzah. The Rambam says every time you pass the mezuzah, you have to have an interaction with the mezuzah. That is something which is... An amazing concept that really brings a person to spirituality. <clears throat> Everything a person does, every mitzvah a person does, every bracha we say, that should bring us to an interaction with Hashem. It's so hard to do. It's, it's easy when you start off. That's the irony. The irony is when a person is about to shupa, they can reach heights that people who are raised in the religion don't reach. Why? Because everything's a novelty. Everything is great. Everything, uh, you know, it's new. It has a, a novelty value and it's spiritual and I feel the spirituality. But once I've been doing it for years, it's very hard to keep that spirituality going. That's the problem. The problem is keeping spirituality growing. So how does a person keep spirituality growing? And the answer is by growing every day, by growing in spirituality. Now, the problem with that is a person starts, you know, I want to be spiritual. I want to be a spiritual so-and-so. That's good. I want to be a spiritual so-and-so. But when the spirituality leads the this uh, yearning for spirituality leads to machloket, to fights and to um, having uh, arguments with people. That's when spirituality has gone too far. That spirituality gone too far. That spirituality run amok, going crazy. That's crazy spirituality. So spirituality, there's a, there's a, there's an interesting uh, idea. This is Korach. Korach wants to be spiritual. Korach got to the heights of he's one of the chosen people who carries the Ark of God. But you know what? He wanted to be higher than that. And not just him, but a whole bunch of people among the Jews at that time in Parsha Korah, he reads 250 people, mainly from the tribe of Reuven, who were the firstborns and thought they were usurped because the firstborns were meant to be the priests. They were meant to be the ones serving God, and they lost it. Reuven lost it. Reuven was one of the biggest losers in history. Reuven and Shimon were probably the biggest losers, I don't want to say it, but they were probably the biggest losers as far as I'm concerned in history. Now, Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob. He could have, he should have been the head of the tribe. He should have been the king. He should have been the priest, the head of the priest, the Kohen Gadol, but he lost it. He lost it because of what he did. And his uh, father wasn't happy with him. He was pachas kamayim. He was unreliable like water, flaky. Reuben was flaky, unfortunately. Shimon also, he had this trait of uh, being zealous for God, but he used it for the wrong purposes. So he was also a big loser. So who's the biggest winner? And the answer is for Levi and Yehuda. Number three, son number three and son number four. Levi and Yehuda were probably the biggest winners. Levi ends up with the priesthood and the Levitical positions, and uh, Yehuda ends up with the kingship. So we're talking about how to grow spiritually constantly. It's very hard. So a person wants to grow all the time, want to get closer to Hashem. But we said there's other things, not just going closer to Hashem. You need to build a ladder. Now, where do we find this concept of a ladder? We find this concept of a ladder with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, our forefather, 
was in a big mess. He was in a big mess. Why? He had got the blessing from his father inside. But the way he got it was not a very nice way. He had to trick his brother, Esau, to get the bracha. He had to trick his father, who was blind. He had to trick his brother, Esau, to get the bracha. Now Esau is on the warpath. Uh, Yaakov has to run away. His father and mother, they decide to send him away. Go get married. Go marry, his mother says, my brother Laban's daughters. I heard he has daughters. Go marry my, my, your, my nieces, your cousins. Go marry your cousins. So Yaakov is there. He's on the way now to Haran. And Esau's son, Eliphaz, the Midrash t- tells us, takes all his money away. And Yaakov is penniless. And he's running away from Esau. And he's going to Chutz Laaretz. He's leaving Eretz Israel. Now that's also, that's, that's a big low. Leaving Eretz Israel, that's called Yerida. Going downwards. The person who goes to Israel is called Aliyah. Going upwards. That's a climb, spiritual climb. Israel is a higher land than all the other lands, the, the Mishnah says. And therefore, is going down from Israel. Yerida is going down to other countries, going down to other lands. That's, and, you know, when a person leaving Israel, go to the Bangarin airport, I feel it. Going to leave Israel in Bangalore Airport, you feel already low. Person feels like I'm going downwards, and you, you feel the spiritual low. There's a big difference between living in Israel and outside Israel. It doesn't matter how religious the person is, but just being in Israel, something spiritual about the land of Israel, the history and the values and the and the the, the fact that it was chosen by God as the Temple Mount was here, and it, there's a spiritual entity in Israel. The spirituality in Israel is not comparable to anywhere in the world. So Yaakov is on his way out. He's making Yerida, but that night when he goes to sleep, he has this terrific dream. He has a dream, and that's why I named this class a ladder to God. This ladder to God. He was near a ladder to heaven. He was, he was dreaming about a ladder to heaven. <coughs> now, what does that mean? Now, what, normally when we dream, we dream about things which are always on our mind in the daytime. Most people dream about at night things which are on their mind in the daytime. So if you connect your dreams to what you're thinking about in your daytime, now what is Yaakov dreaming about in the daytime? The answer is he's dreaming about the same thing. Yaakov Avinu is dreaming about the ladder to Hashem. That's what he's thinking about in the day. And he gets this dream at night. Why? Because our thoughts at night are based on what we think about in the day. So if you're thinking about climbing to Hashem in the daytime, Hashem says, I'm going to show you my ladder. I'm going to show you a dream based on your thoughts. It's interesting because it says when Yaakov Bidu, when he was in Haran with his, with his father-in-law Lavan, all of a sudden he's dreaming about sheep. He's dreaming about all kinds of sheep, speckled sheep and spotted sheep and all different kinds of sheep. And that's when he decides, I'm going to go back to Israel. If this is what I've become, my dreams have become materialistic, I have to go back to Israel. So we can tell who we are by what we dream about. But things about money all day, things about other things all day. That's who they are. Yeah, Ramon says, you are where your mind is. That's a scary thought. We are where our minds are. So a person thinks about, at least, you know, a person who goes to pray, at least he's thinking, hopefully, you know, the story says, a man thought, you know, he, he tells the ghost to the rabbi, he says, rabbi, what can I do? When I pray, I'm thinking about my business. So the rabbi says, you know, well, the antidote is when, you, when, you, when you're in your business, think about God. So if you're praying, thinking about your business, at least when you're in your business, think about Hashem. So with that, you see Yaakov by his, his dreams. What is he dreaming about? He's dreaming about a ladder to Hashem. How can I climb the ladder to Hashem? And he sees it as, on a ladder, he sees angels going up and angels going down. I'm not going to go into that uh, 
dream, and there's many different interpretations. It's the, it's the land of history. It's the land of spirituality. That Yeah, but let's try and understand what does that mean? Let's try and build a ladder for ourselves. What are the steps to the ladder to heaven? What are the steps to Hashem? So what do we see? We see who is the most spiritual being that ever lived. Who I think, I think the most, I'm, you know, I have my hypothesis that the most spiritual being that ever lived, Ramon says, the greatest prophet ever was. So we define prophecy, the, the ability to be a prophet as spirituality, which is, is, you cannot be a prophet without being very spiritual. So who is the greatest prophet, the Rabbim tells us, is Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, our, our great leader and our great rabbi, our great teacher, Moshe, was the greatest prophet. So what was the, what were the rungs of his ladder? So let's examine what got Moshe to the peak of his ladder to become the biggest prophet that Korach was jealous of Moshe and Korach was jealous of Aaron, his brother. How do these people reach those heights? So we find it's interesting, Moshe Rabbeinu, we find a few Midrashic stories. And we find number one is, the Torah tells us that he sees this Jew being whipped mercilessly by the Egyptian taskmaster. And he was, uh, he was raised as an Egyptian in his, uh, in his, uh, his uh, stepmother's uh, house in the palace uh, with Batya, Bitya, it was Bitya or Batya, whatever it was. And his, uh, he was raised as a prince of Egypt. And he could have just remained incognito as a prince of Egypt. Maybe he would have been a pharaoh one day. He could have lost his identity. But you know what? Moshe Rabbeinu is not like that. And this is one of the planks of the ladder. The, one of the planks of the ladder, one of the, the steps of the ladder is to look outside your own comfort zone. This is so hard to do, to think about other people. He could have just remained as a prince of Egypt. No, he sees an Egyptian taskmaster beating this Jew mercilessly. The poor Jew is going to be whipped to death, basically. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know what? I can't. I can't escape like this. I can't just be a prince of Egypt all my life and, and not see the suffering of my brothers. So one of the planks of the ladder is to see the suffering of one's brothers. So that's a very important idea. To look around and see suffering and say, what can I do to help? There's plenty of poor people in the world. There's plenty of organizations, plenty of Jewish organizations just ready to take one's money. And a person should try and see, what can I do to help? Which organizations can I support? Which yeshivot can I support? What can I do? Like, that's the first rung of the ladder. That's the first rung of Moshe Rabbeinu's ladder, is I cannot see my brother's suffering and not do anything about it. I got to do something about it. The second story is, second rung of the ladder. He goes to, runs away. That's his reward for saving the Jew and getting rid of the, the taskmaster. Pharaoh's on the warpath. He runs away from Pharaoh. That's it. The prince of Egypt is no longer the prince of Egypt. The prince of Egypt is now a fugitive. He's a penniless, homeless fugitive. That was the price Moshe Rabbeinu is willing to pay to reach this first rung of the ladder. Then he goes, he goes to Midian. Now he's a stranger, complete stranger. He's sitting by the well, which by the way is uh, good advice to anyone. Uh, sit, sit by the well. Now we don't have wells today, so what should a person do? Uh, the best way to find a match in the Torah was to sit by a well. That's where uh, Yitzhak uh, finds his wife. Eliezer finds a wife by the well. 
Yaakov Avinu goes to the well, finds Rachel, and uh, Moshe goes to the well and he finds his wife Zipporah. It's interesting. Now, what do we have today? What is the well today? And the answer is uh, Yeshayahu, the prophet says, Hoy If you're thirsty, go to the water. And the rabbis say, the water is Torah. Sit by the well, you go to Yeshiva and you'll find your wife. A man should go to Yeshiva and find his wife. And that's what happens to all is. That's where the Shiluchim are made. That's the, the step. The well today is the well of Torah. Anyway, so here's Moshe Rabbeinu. What is he doing by the well? He sees these girls being afflicted by the shepherds. The daughters of Yitro are being afflicted by the shepherds. Second step. He doesn't know these girls. They're strangers. But he sees, he sees persecution. He recognizes persecution. Moshe Rabbeinu cannot stand people being persecuted. He cannot stand this. He can't stand the sight of these poor girls being persecuted by these shepherds. And he steps in again and he saves those girls. The second step of his ladder, he cannot see people suffering and not do anything about it. Injustice. Moshe Rabbeinu is anti-injustice. Moshe Rabbeinu cannot bear injustice. Number three, the Midrash, this is pure Midrash, he sees the sheep, and he sees the big sheep and the small sheep. He's a shepherd on the mountains, which is where he had his vision of God and Har Sinai. He's a shepherd, and he sees the big sheep are pushing the small sheep away from the best pastures, and he can't take it. And he pushes the big sheep aside, and he feeds the small sheep. Again, and these are the planks to spirituality. That's what it seems. This is what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us to see our brethren who are suffering and try and ameliorate that suffering. Try and see what we can do. There's plenty of orphans. There's plenty of paupers. There's plenty of poor people. There's plenty of people who need our help. That's one of the planks of the ladder of spirituality is to help others. Now, helping others doesn't just mean helping people we don't know. Helping people we know, that's number one priority. Yeshayahu Rabbi says, Don't hide yourself from your flesh and blood. We have to help people in our families. If we can help people, we, we see people sometimes who are suffering in our families. We, our children, our grandchildren, our brothers, our sisters, they have less than us. What can I do to help? Now, that is a very big thought, and that's a very powerful thought. That's one of the planks of spirituality is helping others. Very, very important plank of spirituality. So let's uh, go back. Let's go back to having interactions with God. How do you have interactions with God? We said when you pass the mezuzah. Every time you pass the mezuzah, the Ramam says, have an interaction with God. Think about Hashem. The person says a blessing, think about Hashem. But every time you mention God's name, think about Hashem. If you can, the more times you mention Hashem, if you can think about it, it's very powerful. Baruch Hashem. Now don't just say Baruch Hashem out of rope. That's the trick. That's the problem. The problem is we, we used to say, Bezrat Hashem, Baruch Hashem. You know, I had a cousin. I still have a cousin, Baruch Hashem. This is one of the Sadiqim in my life who put me on my right path. Uh, his role model, his tremendous role model, he's about five years older than me. So he, he could, you can never pin the guy down. What time are you going to meet me? He says, well, Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat Hashem, well, you know, six o'clock, Bezrat Hashem, you can never pin the guy down. It's so infuriating. But listen, he's saying the right words. He's using the right words. Every word is like Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. Okay. But every time you say Hashem, we have to think about it. We have to think of God's name. That's a tremendous interaction. That's one of the pathways to spirituality is mentioning Hashem's name. That's why it's such a mitzvah to say 100 blessings a day. 
Mention Hashem hundred times a day. If you can put some thought into it, the creator of the world, you know, the God who created me, my God, my personal God, the God I interact with, the God who everything I have is from that source. He's my source of everything. He's the Baruch Hashem. He's the roots of everything. He's the source of all my blessing in this world. He's the source of everything. And Hashem can make my lot much better. Yivrach Hashem, Bishmerech Hashem will bless you. And Hashem bless you. Rashi says he's the only one who can give you something. And also Bishmerech, he can guard it for you. Someone can give someone else a present, Rashi says, but they don't guard it for them. You've got to have your own guards. So Rabbi Yudha Nasi had this conversation with the emperor of Rome, who was very close with the emperor Antoninus. And uh, he had this, uh, Antoninus sends him a bag of gold and silver and jewels. And what does Rabbi Yudha Nasi send him back? He sends him a piece of parchment. He sends him a mezuzah. It's a big question. Are you allowed to give, as a Jew, allowed to give a non-Jew mezuzah? And the answer is, we see from here, yes. As long as you know, it's going to be well-treated. It's not going to be disgraced. It gives the, come on, it gives a Caesar a piece of paper. Well, parchment, okay, not paper, but parchment. He gives him a small piece of parchment, and the Caesar goes crazy, goes ballistic. He said, I gave you bags of jewels and treasures and this and that. What do you give me a piece of parchment? He said, he said, listen, Caesar, he said, the treasures you got me, I had to hire 200 guards to guard. The paper I gave you is going to guard you. And that is a very important idea. The idea is... Only Hashem can guarantee, I can, I'll give you and I'll protect you. That's the first line of Brikat Kohanim. That's why it's so powerful to hear Brikat Kohanim, get blessed by the Kohanim. Yivarech Hashem, Mishvarech Hashem will bless you and he will guard what you have. You will not lose it in the stock market. You will not lose it in business dealings. Hashem will protect your money and your wealth. And that is a big blessing. That's a tremendous blessing. Only Hashem can guarantee that. Yevarach Hashem Bishmarecha, Yair Hashem Panav Elech Hashem will shine his face onto you. What does that mean? He will shine his face onto you. Rashi says, he'll never get angry with you. Hashem will never get, that's a tremendous blessing. Imagine, Alabai, Hashem will never get angry with us. And Hashem will always have patience with us. The truth is, we should, we should always emulate. That's, by the way, I want to talk about this as well because this is one of the biggest. Uh, losers of spirituality. What is the thing that can make a person lose tremendous amounts of spirituality? And that is a temper. Losing one's cool, it's so hard to be cool all the time. Now, I was a rabbi for 30 odd years. Listen, I'm telling you, if a rabbi loses his cool, he's finished as a rabbi. And usually they lose their cool and then people stop respecting. And this is true as a rabbi, this is true as a parent. Persons should try not to lose their cool. And this is so hard. I tell you, the hardest part is dealing with one's own spouse. The hardest, because who are you around the most? So it depends. So if you're retired like me, you're around the most, your spouse. And that's where the trouble starts. If you're around the most, then it's obvious that there's friction between people you're close to. And that's where the biggest test is. And that's where spirit, it's a massive spiritual test. Now, a person on a spiritual high, and then they lose their temper, and they become on a spiritual low. It rips up their soul. It 
Quran says. The Torah says that temper chaos, chaos, the Shlomo says in Mishlei, anger rests in the breast pocket of fools. Now, I keep my cell phone in my breast pocket. I know that's a good idea. Medically, I don't know. There's no statistics. Statistics always they change. These statistics dangerous, not dangerous. Radio waves, whatever. But anyway, that's where I keep things which are handy. Put them in your breast pocket. Now, this fool, Shlomo Menach says, the fools, they keep in their breast pocket their tempers because everything they, everything, every little challenge in life, they lose their temper. A temper is one of the worst things to do. The Torah says it rips one's soul, the Torah, the Talmud says. It rips one's soul. A person loses their temper, it rips one's soul. And let's go back to where we started. We started with Korach. Next week's parasha, outside Israel. This week's parasha in Israel, Korach. Korach is aiming for tremendous spirituality. Korach wants to be more the most spiritual being in the world. He's jealous of Moshe, he's jealous of Aaron. I want to be more spiritual than them. His buzzword was Kulanu Kedoshi. We're all holy. Why are you guys, Moshe and Aaron, thinking that you're more holy than us? All B'nai Israel are holy. We all saw God at Sinai. We're all holy. Why are you holier than us? You know, that's a phrase in English today. Holier than thou. You know, holier than thou. I'm holier than thou. A person should never feel I'm holier than thou. We don't know. In God's world, who is a chosen person by God? Halavai. Halavai. We, Hashem will choose us. Hashem will, will shine his face on us. Hashem will uh, relate to us with graciousness and, and love, like Bezrat Hashem. So the way we treat Hashem, that's the way Hashem treats us. Very simple. Midaka naked midaka. If we relate to Hashem with love, if we relate to Hashem with respect, Hashem says, I respect you. I love you. But these, these character traits, which are so dangerous, which can make a person lose their spirituality. Jealousy, okay, we said spiritual jealousy is allowed, but once it crosses that line and becomes a physical jealousy, which would happen to Korach, spiritual jealousy became physical jealousy. You guys are liars. You didn't, you, Hashem didn't tell you to become the high priest and you, you just took it for yourself. That's physical jealousy and that caused Korach to lose his life. He was swallowed up by the earth. And, uh, you, know, there's a, you know, if you ever paid Monopoly, you go, you know, one of the cards you can get, the worst card you can get Monopoly is go straight to jail. Don't even pass go, just go straight to jail. Well, that was what the card that Korach was dealt. Don't go anywhere, Korach. You're going straight down. And that's what happened to Korach. What happened to Korach? This man who wanted spirituality, the man who claimed that we're all spiritual, Moshe, when it turned into physical jealousy, it turned into the wrong aspects. He lost all his spirituality and he ended up in the wrong place. Now, that is a lesson to all of us. There's good spirituality and there's fake spirituality. The good spirituality is a spirituality based on truth. It's not based on jealousy. It's not based on uh, kavod, honor. That is one of the dangers. It's not how a person dresses or how long the beard is. The spirituality is what's going on in their minds. And that is where we have to work on. We have to work on what's going on in our minds and how we treat other people. 
And uh, that we talked about Moshe Rabbeinu, how he got to his levels is how he treats other people, how he feels other people's pain and how he treats other people and not to lose one's temper and not to lose one's cool and that. And one of the fundamental parts of spirituality is number one, one of the main fundamental is, is happiness, to be in a state of joy. And that's one of the hardest things to achieve, but that's how we measure our spirituality. How can you measure your level of spirituality is if you're happy, if you're a happy person generally. Generally, obviously, we can't all be happy all the time. But if you're happy and you know it, don't just clap your hands, but give yourself a pat on the back because that is a high level of spirituality. That means you're not worried. And if you're not worried, that means you're trusting God. It means you're not jealous and you're not jealous because you're trusting God. It means that you're not desirous of other things. It means you're happy where you are. That's a happy person. That is a high level. That is a tremendously high, a tremendously high level. I remember my mother, Shalom, blessed memory. You know, I used to go to see her, you know, twice a year. I used to go. Unfortunately, I lived uh, in America. She was in London. I try and go twice a year. And I want to thank my wife for letting me go twice a year to visit my mother. It was like I spent a week with her, it was like prime time. It was really prime time. I lived in a house, you know, there was no one else, just me and her. We used to talk and reminisce and think. And, and I saw the way she lived in a very simple lifestyle. I said, Mark, can I buy you this? Mark, can I buy you that? She said, what for? What am I going to do with it? I can't take it with <laughs> can't, can't take it with me. So that is a very high spiritual level. She was happy. She was listening to Torah tapes all the time. She had books in front of her. She would make notes in these books. And that was her life. And that she was happy and she was content and she was spiritual. And that's, that's a very high level. That is a tremendously high level. And that's not someone who flaunts it. That's not someone who shows off. That's not someone who's jealous. That's someone who's happy with where they are, what they are, what they're doing. And she wasn't materialistic. She never even had a credit card. She wouldn't live on credit. My motto was, I don't live on credit. I pay cash for everything. I don't borrow. And that's a very, very high level. That's a tremendously high level. So Korach himself seems to have been on a high level. The Midrash says he was very wise. He was on the level to carry the Aron HaKodesh, the holiest thing we have. And Rashi, citing the rabbis, say he was so great. He even had Ruach HaKodesh. Now, I don't even know what Ruach HaKodesh means, but it means that Hashem is talking to the person. They have some kind of insights, a spiritual insights that no one else has. All this begs the question of how could he have caused so much damage? How could this holy man cause so much damage? And the answer is his spirituality went to his head. That's another danger. That I am so great. And he sees that this Ruach HaKodesh, I'm going to have this descendant, Shmuel HaNavi, this prophet Samuel, who's going to be the King David says in the Psalms, this is the Psalm we say on Shabbat, that Shmuel Hanavi was equivalent to Moshe and Aaron. Moshe ve Aaron be Kohanav, be Shmuel be Koreshemo. Shmuel was a tremendously great prophet, equivalent of Moshe and Aaron on certain levels, not, obviously not 100% equivalent, but on certain levels, of course, says, if my descendant is going to be Shmuel Hanavi, I must be a great man. I must be equivalent to Moshe and Aaron right now. And that is the danger. The danger is a person really thinks on the wrong level and think they're so great. Because one of the keys to spirituality is humility. One of the biggest keys to spirituality is humility. A person says, I'm the greatest. 
is the biggest level of straight down, great straight down, no pass go, go straight down, pride, Hashem does not like a person who is proud, the Gemara says, a life from a cowboy movie, this, Hashem says, a person who is proud, this world ain't big enough for both of us, it's amazing, it's a, it's a line of the Gemara, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw this line, this world is not big enough for both of us, and therefore Hashem says, you're not going to be in this world much longer, and that was Korah, Korah says, I'm great. I am the greatest. I'm greater than Moshe and Aaron. I'm going to have this great, uh, tremendously great descendant. And uh, he was proud and, and he was, he knew about his value and spirituality. Don't let it go to a person's head. Spirituality should not be go to a person's head. We don't know who in God's world is greater. One of the stories that Talmud says is one of the great rabbis, his sons was in a, a tremendously sick and in a coma. When the son gets out of his coma, his father says, did you see anything? Did you see the next world? And the son says, yes, I did. And the father says, tell me, he says, what was going on over there? And the son says, people who are great in this world are low in that world. The people who are low in this world are great in that world. It's a world which is totally upside down from our value system over here. That's what we're aiming for. The value system over here is corrupt. The people who people worship in this world, the actors and the sports people, zeros in the next world, big zeros, big fat zeros in the next world. The billionaires, the people worship in this world, big fat zeros in the next world. And so it's the value system. So the rabbi gets concerned. He says, but where will the rabbis be? He said, oh, they'll be in the same place. Don't worry. They won't be. <laughs> they'll, they'll be still up there. Don't worry. But the value system is upside down. And our spiritual value system has to be based on Torah spirituality and not the spirituality we see around us, fake spirituality. What's fake spirituality? You cannot be spiritual overnight. That is a big shocker. A person cannot reach spirituality overnight unless a person is a tremendous Baal We do find stories in the Talmud of people who became Baal Tshuva and they got accepted into the highest levels of heaven. One of the cases the Talmud brings is this guy called Eliezer ben Dordia. Now, I can't even tell you what Eliezer ben Dordia was busy doing. It definitely was not good stuff. And one day, Eliezer ben Dordia hears someone telling him off. And it was a very low-level person. It was a very low-class person who told of Elizabeth Dodia and told him, he said, Hashem will never accept you. You're finished. Spiritually, Elizabeth Dodia, you are finished. Now, if a rabbi would have told him that, he probably wouldn't have listened. But this came from a person on a very low level. And it's, it struck him, you know, if this person is telling me I'm finished, I must be really finished. And he did tremendous teshuva. He says he got to the level where he was higher. A voice came from heaven and said, Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer bin Dordia, he got smicha from God, is welcome to the world to come. So this level of teshuva is such a high level. It says it's teshuva me'ahava. It's a level of teshuva from love that a person can reach high levels in, in split seconds. In split seconds, a person can think about their life and say, wow, I wasted my life. I wasted my time. And I'm so far removed from God. Hashem, please pull me out of the depths 
You know, that's one of the Psalms, one of the Shia models. says, I'm calling out to you from the depths. Hashem, please save me, Hashem. And that is the key. That can be instant spirituality. A person can reach very high levels by calling out to God from the depths and realizing the failure of their ways and doing to Shiva and say, I want to come back to you, Hashem. Please take me back. And Hashem says, okay, I'll take you the shortcut. I'll take you on my elevator. And that's one of the secret pathways back to Hashem, which we're going to talk about more. We get to usually talk about it usually towards Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. But we're talking about spirituality. You want to reach spirituality at a high level, the fast way. And the answer is Teshuvah. Teshuvah is the fastest way to spirituality. It's a guaranteed spirituality, guaranteed fastest way to spirituality. It's going to be done with truth. It's going to be done with love. It's so hard to do properly. And that's the problem. The problem is to do it properly. That's the hard part. To really mean it and be, be sincere. Teshuva is going to be sincere. And that's the quickest way back to God. The quickest way in spirituality. Otherwise, and that's what Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, the great prince, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, the prince of Israel, who was the editor of the Mishnah, because of him we have the Mishnah, the Talmud, thanks to, thanks to him. Uh, he kept the Torah alive. And he says, you know, he cried when he heard this. He says, some people earn their world to come in, in one second. And some people have to be busy day in and day out, struggling day in and day out. That was, that's how he put it. We struggle day in, day out. Rabbi Eliezer Durdia gets in one second. So a lot of us, we just have to grind. We grind on every day, every prayer, every blessing, every good thought, every good deed. That's the pathway to spirituality. There's no shortcuts. There's only one shortcut. That's the Shuba. Otherwise, it's just, it just doesn't last. We find at Mount Sinai, there's two mountains in Judaism. The main mountain is Mount Sinai. But the other mountain, which today is the main mountain, is Mount Moriah. Mount Sinai, we all were there. Our souls, even though we weren't there physically, our souls were there. The rabbis say all the Jewish souls, all the souls of converts were at Mount Sinai. We feel an affinity because we're all related. Our souls are related. All our souls were at Sinai. At Sinai, we all became tremendously spiritual. That was a tremendous, in 50 days, we reached the heights of spirituality. We all became prophets. We all saw God's voice. We all had revelation to hear and see God's voice. Can't see God, we can see his voice. It's interesting. We reached the highest levels of spirituality. That was artificial. It was an artificial layer of spirituality. Hashem just pulled us up to it artificially. But you know what? 40 days later, they were sitting at the golden calf. That kind of spirituality doesn't last. These artificial highs don't last. A person sees a movie and he's so enthralled. He hears this great sure and he's so excited. But it doesn't last. The motivation doesn't last. It's, it's called the small voice of God. You know, we find the prophecy of Mount Sinai was tremendous. The shofar blowing and the mind-boggling uh, level of uh, the heights of sound and, and the mountain shaking and, this, and all these uh, sights and sounds. 3D sights and sounds, amazing sights and sounds. The impression lasted for less than 40 days. Artificial spirituality. What is the key to spirituality? And the answer is we see that when that when Eliyahu Navi, Elijah the prophet, 
He is, he is a tremendous state of depression. He is amazingly depressed. He, he does this massive miracle on Mount Carmel, and he brings fire from heaven. It burns the korban, the, the sacrifice. And the angel, the prophets of Baal can't do anything. And he wins. And all the Jews cry out. The line which we say on Yom Kippur, the end of Yom Kippur, Hashem hu Elohim, God is God. God is God. God is God. They see it twice. Hashem hu Elohim. And it's a spiritual high. And the next day, they forget the spiritual high. They all accepted God the next day. It's over. And Aliyah Navi is depressed. This massive miracle, this tremendous amount of teshuva. I got the Jews to do teshuva. They recognize God, and the next day, it's gone. It's a spiritual high. It's an artificial high, and it's gone. What do I do? He runs away. The queen Jezebel of the northern kingdom of Israel and Ahab, the king, they want to kill him. And what does he do? He runs away, and he goes, he runs, it says, in the desert of Beersheba, around that area. And he, he gets some food from the, the angel, brings him some food, and he eats. And it says that food, he lasted another 40 days. And the angel says, go to Mount Sinai. He goes to Mount Sinai. He's in a cleft of a rock. He's in a cave. And he hears, he has tremendous visual. And like, just like it was in the giving of the Torah, tremendous noise, thunder, lightning, wind, and rain, all kinds of noises. And it says, God was not in the rain, and God was not in the thunder, and God was not in the lightning, and God was not in the wind. And then he hears a voice, a thin, a small voice, says God was in that small voice. That is spirituality. Spirituality is not in the thunder and the lightning. It's in that small voice inside one's head that a person has to hear. That we have to reach that level of, when we say our prayers, trying to talk to God. Trying to hear what God wants from us. When we listen to the Torah being read in the Svegat, what does God want from me? Hear that voice, hear that small voice. That is a high level of spirituality, hearing God's voice in one's head through the rabbi's talks, through the Torah being written, to, through the prayer service. That's the level of spirituality. That is not artificial. That is on a daily basis. Person should struggle with the small things in life. That's what the that's what this vision of, of Eliyahu teaches us. It's it's God is in the small things. He's not in the big things. He's in the small spiritual things. Okay, we can get to these spiritual highs overnight artificially. And yes, we can do teshuva overnight, but most people can't. They have to plod along and do these small things. Give some sabaka every day. Say brach every day. Have an interaction with the, with the messages every day. Be nice to people. Be nice to one's spouse. Be generous. Be kind. Don't lose one's temper. Don't be jealous of people. Be happy with what one's have. These are the small building blocks of spirituality. They're small, steady building blocks that will get us to our destination. I want to wish you Shabbat Shalom from Yerushalayim. Hashem shall bless us. And give us peace and look after us and shine his face and not get angry with us. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.